Welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening that you are having a great start to your day. It is once again Grizzlies game day. Yes, it is game three tonight in the FedEx Forum. And the great thing about it is, is that it is the first game at the FedEx Forum in over four years. The last time the Grizzlies had a playoff home game was on April 22nd, 2017. They won that game against the San Antonio Spurs. And the great thing about it is is that it actually was the Grizzlies' best individual playoff game by a player in franchise history in the form of Mike Conley. But in Game 2, John Morant had the best game a Grizzlies player has ever had in a Grizzlies uniform, and it's pretty awesome that he returns home right after that performance, and he'll be going head-to-head against Mike Conley as Mike Conley obviously returns to the FedEx Forum, but this time in a Utah Jazz uniform. So many fun narratives. Welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz. Myself at StatsSAC on Twitter. want to remind you that you can find the podcast wherever it's available. Again, my name is Sean Coleman. I'm a credential media member. been covering the Grizzlies for three years with a wonderful group over at Grizzly Bear Blues. been here for a year with the Locked on Podcast Network. And it's so much fun getting to talk about the team that we all love, the sport that we all love, and just sports in general. I cherish every single day that I get to talk with you about the Grizzlies. And that's what sets this podcast apart. This is the one place where you can get the latest Grizzlies news, perspectives, insight, and honest truth every single day. Your Grizzlies every day here at Locked on Grizzlies. In the first segment, we'll talk a bit about the news that came out yesterday, obviously about you know the encounters that you know John Morant and Dylan Brooks' family had in Utah. Just in general, overall, uh, the, the, the unfortunate uh, happenings that occurred across the NBA playoffs um, you know, uh, the, uh, towards the end of this week that just have no place in sports. In the second segment, we're going to dive deep into the first two games, look at some key things where the Grizzlies succeeded, obviously some key areas of improvement. And then in segment three, three things that are going to have to change for the Grizzlies in order for them to get, obviously, a needed victory in game three. Of course, before we start, we want to remind you of our title sponsor of the show, The Locker Room App, changing the way we talk about sports. Head to your Android app store or your iOS app store, download the app, create a free profile, get into the chats, join us every Thursday night for Let's Talk Grizzness, our weekly show on The Locker Room App through Locked on Grizzlies. Not going to get too much into it, but obviously it was very, you know, very unfortunate to hear the news that that had occurred. Now, of course, you know, everyone saw, you know, firsthand what Russell Westbrook encountered in Philadelphia, um, you know, in game two of the Sixers Wizards game. He was leaving the court injured. Someone poured popcorn on him. Russ, obviously, within every right that he had, reacted in a very understandable way, furious with the fact that he had food spilled spilled on him as he was leaving the court. New York, Trey Young, as he was taking the ball out of bounds, unfortunately, a fan decided to spit towards him, and that just has no place on it. As a matter of fact, I think that it wasn't only Trey Young who, who uh, you know, was, you know, the target of that unfortunate incident, but some other fans, unfortunately, had to encounter that incident as well. And then, of course, with our Grizzlies in Utah, um, some very unfortunate comments made towards T and Jamie Morant, John Morant's parents, and also the family of Dylan Brooks. We're not going to sit here and get into the comments. They don't deserve airtime because of how horrible they are. But the thing about it is this, is that there is no need for any of this to be occurring at NBA playoff games. The number one thing, the number one reason why, is because all of us have been cooped up for 12 to 15 months 
due to COVID, due to the pandemic. Now, it's for good reason, obviously. It needed to happen for us to get life back to normal as possible. But now that we're starting to get back to normal, and now we're able to get back to normal at a time when the NBA product is back to being as good as it can be with so many good playoff matchups and so many new players on a bigger stage, it's not that we're talking about the players. We can't sit here and just enjoy the players and their performances. We've got to sit here and talk about just a few of us. You can count them on. It's in the single digits. But just a few folks who want to act idiots. And they're not going to ruin ruin it for all of us. But it certainly is just it waters down the excitement that should be there. What it simply comes down to is this. Is that if you want to go to a game and you want to enjoy yourself act a fool, go buck wild, turn up, whatever you want to use to describe your actions at a game, do it, but be respectful about it. Do it in a way to where you can have fun, but it doesn't impede the fun of anybody else, and especially, don't do anything towards the players. It's very simple. We've all stayed home. We've all become more adapted to staying at home, you know, without the option of going somewhere. If you can't go to these games and behave yourself, stay your ass at home. That's it. That, 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 that's how it works. If you cannot go to these games and behave in a respectful manner, there are so many ways you can have fun. I've done it. Everybody's done it before. If you can't go to these games and behave, stay your ass at home. Because the thing is, is that these, these players, John Morant was in a press conference today. He was in the Grizzlies press conference, and that's the questions that he had to talk about. Now, for good reason. You know, there's nothing wrong with questions being asked or John Morant talking about these incidents that occurred, but it, there, it shouldn't be this way. You know, he did bring up a good point. I do think that things need to happen for these things to stop. It, regardless, it should be zero tolerance. If you do something if a fan does something towards a player directly or towards a player's family that there is just no place for, that fan should be banned for life. In my opinion, from all sporting events, don't know how that could be, you know, police to where you know that could happen, but they should be banned for life. No questions asked. That is how you stop these unfortunate incidents. I also agree with something that John Morant said. I do feel that there should be a segment of the stands away from the regular audience where players' families should sit, especially away families. I think that that is definitely something that the NBA should do. Now, the other problem problem with all this is, is that is that Team Morant, he was on um, uh, Jason and John, um, I believe, a Friday morning, um, talking about the incident. You know, he mentioned himself, and you saw it on Twitter, there were some very good interactions. And that's the other problem with all this, is that the Utah Jazz, for whatever opinion you have of them, that's fine. But the Utah Jazz are a small market team, just like the Memphis Grizzlies. Yes, they have been a very successful franchise, but they've never really been a true title contender since the Stockton Malone days in the mid-90s. This is the best chance that they have to win a title. Obviously, we don't want them to. We want the Grizzlies to win this series. But the point that I'm trying to make is, is that this is the best chance that the Jazz have to win a title. This is the best chance that the overwhelming majority of fans in Utah have to see a true potential championship contender. And they can't enjoy, I mean, yes, obviously they can enjoy, but unfortunately, the narrative about the fan base in Utah, this isn't the first time we've heard something negative, and now this fan base can't even sit here and enjoy the team that is, you know, gives them the best chance to potentially win a title in franchise history. They can't just enjoy basketball for what it is. 
There has to be these unfortunate few who decide to make a fool of themselves, and unfortunately they create a narrative that, you know, many will apply to the whole fan base. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. So there's just no place for it. Absolutely none at all. These players and their families deserve to be able to either, either if it's where they're where they play in their home arena or in away arenas, players and their families should be able to know that they can go and play and watch without there being any threat towards their well-being or towards their ability to enjoy the game. And the same goes for any fans. So that's 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 my opinion on it. There's no place for any of this that has certainly occurred. Thankfully, the Grizzlies get to return home for Game 3. And I can tell you this, if you have not ever been to the Grindhouse during a playoff game, it's a wonderful experience. A couple of things I'd like to say about the Grindhouse from personal experience is that it's two of the best sports moments that I've ever had. Beating the Spurs in Game 6 back in 2011 and beating the um, Clippers in Game 6 back in 2013. And the Grizz and the Grindhouse is truly a home of success. It's a house of success for this Grizzlies team. Now, they're 19 and 18 overall at the Grindhouse during the playoffs. But if you remove the three years where we got swept in the first round, three straight years in the mid-2000s, the Grizzlies are 19 and 11 or excuse me, 19 and 12 at home. They were 19 and 12 at home during the grit and grind era, including a 14 game stretch between 2011 and 2013 in which they were 11 and three. The last two times they played in the grindhouse was in that 2017 opening round um, of the 2017 playoffs against the Spurs in which they won both games. So this Grizzlies team had plenty of success at the grindhouse during or had plenty of success at the Grindhouse during the Grit and Grind era. So, thankfully, obviously they unfortunately had to deal with some things that they shouldn't have, you know, in Utah. The players and their families, this new generation of Grizzlies and their families, they get to come home and experience the Grindhouse for the first time, which truly has been a haven of success for this Grizzlies team in the past. And you can damn well bet with some of the with some of the entertainment that they've got lined up, the growl towels going on, and the increased capacity that we see starting for tomorrow night, the grindhouse is going to be alive and well. No need for any type of negativity. No need for any type of you know uh, uh, unruly response from what happened in Utah. There's no need for any of that. It's just the grindhouse being a representation of Memphis, a passionate place that loves the Grizzlies and wants to see them succeed, and a place that can provide the Grizzlies an edge to be able to get at least one of the next two games. But here's the thing. The Grizzlies are really going to have to focus on needing and so on some needed adjustments to get a win in the next two games. Coming up, we're going to look back at games one and two and really look at a few things that were successful in both games, but also a few areas, obviously, that need to improve. Here in the Mid-South, it's certainly been a bit of a cool spring, but things are starting to warm up, and so I'm sure for many of us, we're wanting to get outside a bit more and enjoy the weather. And, you know, to do that, you know, we want to be in the best health that we can be to enjoy the weather and be out and about as much as possible. Well, you know, to get healthy, that, you know, we all would love to run marathons or perhaps go on 50-mile bike rides, but, you know, a big other a big other commitment to make is just small yet significant things you can do on a daily basis to promote health. And that starts with, you know, healthy snacks. And one that certainly would help is a Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Have it in the morning for breakfast, uh, you know, have it in the afternoon as a snack. 
before or after a workout. You can go to BuiltBar.com right now, and you can choose from 18 different flavors to enjoy. Uh, so if you whatever your taste preference is, Built Bar is likely to have it. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, put in the promo code LOCKEDON, you get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Again, that's 15% off your next order from Built Bar using the promo code LOCKEDON. Certainly, a great part of your day can be making Built Bar a part of it. Again, go to BuiltBar.com, put in the promo code LOCKED15, you get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Tomorrow's edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, we will have a full breakdown of Game 3. What went right, what went wrong, hopefully plenty more right than wrong, and we'll be able to discuss the Grizzlies being up 2-1 to one in their first game, playoff game, in the grindhouse in more than four years. Certainly hope the crowd is going to be ready to go. You know that they've been waiting a long time, and especially with how special this team has been over the past few weeks, there's going to be plenty to cheer for. So if you're listening and you're planning on going, cheer as loud as you possibly can and enjoy every last minute of it cheering this team on, hopefully cheering them to a victory. But speaking of Game 3, you know, we've looked in detail in Games 1 and 2, and in the third segment, we'll get a bit more into the statistical aspect of where the Grizzlies need to improve. But it's pretty clear. There's five things, right? The bench has to improve. Our three-point shooting has to improve. We've got to create turnovers. We've got to get in transition. And this Grizzlies team has got to stay out of foul trouble. Those are five things that we know have to improve for this Grizzlies team. And at the end of the day, also having a significant advantage when it comes to getting more shots than they're than the Jazz. That's what's going to have to occur. The Grizzlies are going to have to have a positive result in the majority of those six or seven things for them to be able to get the win in games going forward. And that's simple. You know, they did it. They got the majority. There was a positive outcome in the majority of those things in game one, but not game two. But the other thing that we need to discuss, obviously, is the lineup. And I know that the Grizzlies going 10 deep is something that's good with our depth. But at the end of the day, the thing about it is this, is that as much as we theoretically would love for there to be an advantage for this Grizzlies team to go 10 deep, the numbers continue to show one clear truth. The narrative of this Grizzlies team has shifted a bit when it comes to their lineups, right? And I mentioned it on Twitter the other day, and it's been the case over the past basically six weeks. We talk about the Grizzlies bench up until basically May or to basically till the end of April. We talked about under Taylor Jenkins, the Grizzlies bench truly being a top five reserve unit in the NBA since the start of the 2019-2020 season. And there's been different reasons why. But the thing is, is that towards the end of the season, and I think it is a byproduct of how much they've played together, the quartet of Ja Dillon, Kyle, and Jonas have absolutely been spectacular. We've seen Kyle improve his game. Jonas had the best game of his career, or the best season of his career. Dillon come on so strongly as an offensive player here over the stretch run of the season. And obviously, Ja's improvement as well. They complement each other so well. And in the four games since the end of the regular season that they played, this Grizzlies team has won three out of four games because that starting lineup has been so productive. But the thing about it is this, is that as productive, we'll get into in just a second how productive they've been in the first two games of this series. One other narrative remains true that the Grizzlies are going to have to support. They're going to have to find another way to win games instead of what's won them games since the end of the season. If you look back since the game against the Spurs, it's been a combination of two offensive players leading the Grizzlies to victory or jaw taking over. Against the Spurs, it was Dylan and Jonas. 
Against the Warriors, it was jaw and threes. Against the uh, Jazz in game uh, one, it was Dylan supported by jaw, and in game two, it was jaw supported by Dylan. Now, obviously, if you, you want Dylan and jaw to be on the court as much as possible, you want them to be able to continue their offensive success. But the thing about it is, is that if you're consistently seeing just those two emerge as the offensive contributors, you're talking about arguably them going against the best defense in the NBA. If the Jazz have seen how Dylan and Jaw are finding success against them over the first two games, they're going to do the things that they need to do. And judging from the season, they're going to effectively do the things that they need to do to limit Jaw and Dylan going forward. So if that's the case, there's got to be some other form of offense that steps up. And obviously, the ideal support or the ideal alternative is to shoot threes. But the thing about it is this, though, is that, you know, even if we need to shoot threes, one thing cannot be denied. The quartet of Ja, Dylan, Kyle, and Jonas have to continue playing as much as possible. That's number one when it comes to the lineups. In 49 minutes, between Game 1 and Game 2, they played 28 minutes together in Game 1, 21 in Game 2. In 49 total minutes through the first two games of this playoff series, that quartet has a 27.5 positive net rating. That's how successful it's been. A 27.5 positive net rating. And obviously, it begins with playing that quartet of players together as much as possible, and they're averaging playing more than half the game on the court together, so the Grizzlies certainly can continue with that. Ja himself has played 35 and 40 minutes. So, you know, you want Ja, obviously, on the court as much as possible. You want him and Dylan on the court as much as possible, and with Kyle Anderson and Jonas as much as possible. But beyond that, what other nuanced things, what other small adjustments should be the priority when it comes to how the rest of the lineup should play out. Well, one of the things that certainly stands out is is that potentially replacing Kyle Anderson with the Desmond Bain, for instance, allows for the Grizzlies to stagger Kyle Anderson's minutes so that he can then come back on and be on the court when more than one bench player is on the court. Because you're going to have to have at least a few segments of each game where you have three to five or, or three to you're going to have to have at least two three to five minute segments in each game where multiple bench players are on the court. The thing is, though, is that the Grizzlies cannot afford to have three or four bench players on the court at the same time for those three or five minutes because they're getting absolutely destroyed in those minutes. Again, game two, the Jazz's bench outscored the Grizzlies' bench forty three to fourteen. So one way to potentially help that out is by staggering. Desmond Bain coming in for Kyle Anderson for a few minutes, and then you at least have Kyle as a starter on the court with the bench. Maybe doing something similar where you, you know, replace, you know, Dylan with a few minutes to where, you know, he could be on the court with Kyle if Jaw is off, or Jaron be off and come back on the court. So that's another thing that's a priority. Obviously, besides playing that quartet of players as much as possible, playing John Dylan especially as much as possible, you want to make sure that there is as few minutes as possible that Jonas Valanciunas is not on the courtroom Rudy Gobert is because the idea of Jaron at the five against Rudy Gobert just is not working. It simply is not working right now. And that's nothing against Jaron. 
It's just that right now, he's not at his best, and he's going against, historically, one of the best center defenders in the NBA when he's at the five at times on the court. Those are four priority areas when it comes to this Grizzlies rotation, when it comes to these lineups for the Grizzlies. Play the quartet of John Dillon and, and uh, Slow-Mo and uh, Jonas as much as possible. Stagger Kyle's minutes with a shooter, potentially another starter as well at times, so you don't have more than three bench players on the court for any long, for any stretch longer than maybe two or three minutes. Have John Dillon play as much as possible to keep the offense as consistent as possible and mirror Jonas with Gobert. If the Grizzlies can stick to that plan, if they can do those things as much as they possibly can, they should be able to find success, at least enough of a success, to put themselves in a position to win. But I mentioned 10 or 11 things that this Grizzlies team needs to do in order to put itself in a better position. They're not going to be able to do all of them. There's a reason why the Jazz are the best team in the league. But at the end of the day, the thing that stands out above all, where the Grizzlies are going to have to improve, is three-point shooting. Coming up, I'm going to talk about a few underlying areas where the Grizzlies could potentially put a priority one on to find success in that could allow for them to have a better chance of getting some type of consistency going from three and hopefully build upon that in order to find success in games three and game four at home. The first full round of the NHL playoffs is almost in the books. The first full week of NBA playoffs it just completed last night. We are in the full excitement of playoff season in multiple sports and even have baseball two months into its season. So many great things to enjoy right now. And if part of your fandom is wagering and betting on sports, I've got the one place that has you covered, and that's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to do all your betting action when it comes to sports. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline, get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams preps for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus by putting in the promo code Locked On. That's putting in the promo code Locked On. Your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit BetOnline.ag today. Obviously, the summer is right around the corner. As a matter of fact, it's almost here. And so that means you're probably going to be out and about. For instance, me and my family were heading out of town for the Memorial Day weekend. Well, if you're going to be traveling more in the summer, that means that you want your car operating as you know efficiently as it possibly can. But sometimes... Repairs are needed. Parts may be needed as well. And if that's the case, I've got the one place that has you covered, and that's rockauto.com. Rockauto.com, the one place that you can go that's very easy to use for a variety of reasons. Very easy to use because within a few clicks of the button, you'll likely find what you need because regardless of the make and model or the part that you need, rockauto.com likely has it. If you're someone that does your own repairs, if you are, if if you need someone to do repairs, or if you do repairs for others for a living, regardless of your expertise level, rockauto.com is great because it's very cost-friendly. This is a family-owned business. They've been in business for over 20 years. When it comes to them knowing what is needed, they know car repairs typically fall out of budget. They're going to make things as economically feasible as possible. When you visit rockauto.com, let them know the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com 
rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts that you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. So obviously, once again, there are many areas in which the Grizzlies need to improve from game two in order for them to be able to find success in game three. But when it comes down to it, you know, obviously we want to have more shot attempts. We want to create turnovers. Those things are going to be harder to do if the Jazz are going to be able to establish a half-court game. Though it was a fast-paced game in Game 2, it also was very much a half-court game for big stretches of Game 2, and that certainly favors the Jazz. But there are a few small yet significant aspects of the Grizzlies' approach to improving their three-point shooting that I think if they put a high priority on, they'll be able to find their groove quick and hopefully be able to gain some consistency in order to be able to see what can be done. One of the things that really stands out is that when, you know, we mentioned how successful the quartet of Jaw, Dylan, Kyle, and Jonas have been all season long, but, you know, especially in the first half of the season, when they were playing with Grayson Allen and Desmond Bain, the reason why that starting five was so successful, because many times they got off to big leads in games, was how well Grayson and Desmond shot the three in the first quarter. And typically when the Grizzlies are able to get that hot start going from three, that's when they're able to hit the 11-12 or get into the teens in terms of hitting three-pointers. Well, that's one area over these first two games. The Grizzlies have had very little success at all. Now, overall, when it came to first quarter threes, the Grizzlies were nothing special. They were ranked around 20th in terms of first quarter three-point production this season. But before they switched to the lineup where Jaron is starting with Jonas instead of another, uh, instead of a shooting guard shooter starting next to Jaw, when those lineups were in the game before Jaron came back, they were highly successful. The thing about it is, is that if the Grizzlies are going to go with the idea of Jaw, Dylan, Kyle, Jaron, and Jonas, a big key for this team in half-court settings may be setting up both Jaron and Dylan in three-point situations, right? You've got Dylan, who's, who was exceptional in the second half of the season in catch-and-shoot three-pointers. You've got opportunities to where you could set up Kyle as a corner three-point shooter where he excelled. Prioritizing sets, schemes, and strategies on offense in the half-court to start off the game could be essential for this Grizzlies team because their first quarter production has drastically fallen off when it comes to the threes. During the regular season, the Grizzlies made 3.6 three-pointers per first quarter on 8.1 attempts per game for 36%. They were 3.6 for 8.1 for 36% per game from three in the first quarter of games during the regular season. In these two games against the Utah Jazz, the Grizzlies have attempted 14 threes and only made two of them. The Grizzlies are not going to be able to have a high chance of winning these games if they're only attempting 23s per game, and especially if they're not getting off to a hot start at all. So a big key for this Grizzlies team will be to put a priority on setting up their shooters where they're most successful. Dylan, obviously, in catch-and-shoot situations. Kyle from the corner, as we mentioned. When Desmond, perhaps, or Grayson, perhaps, come in for Kyle as the first substitution, maybe prioritizing them 
with off-ball screens or Jaron setting the screen for them as a ball handler, whatever it may be, setting up plays where you're prioritizing your shooters for open shots is going to be a needed element that has to become more frequent in the Grizzlies' game plan. Along with prioritizing through their sets and schemes in the half court, prioritizing three-point opportunities is transition threes. The Grizzlies shoot that th- shoot one of the areas of the shot clock where the Grizzlies shoot the three best is between eighteen is is within seven seconds of the shot clock is basically between eighteen and twenty two seconds on the shot clock. That's when the Grizzlies are on a fast break and they hit one of their you know trailers for a three. It's perhaps when a ball handler other than Jaw finds an open opportunity to shoot a three. It's a quick pass out after one of the ball handlers penetrates. He's not able to find an angle in the um, paint that works. He passes back out for a three. In transition, setting up threes is going to be another key for this Grizzlies team because that allows for them to have the best chance of getting an open three-point shot because this Grizzlies' inability to stay consistent on offense in the half court once the Jazz's defense gets set is a very hard... It's going to be a very hard situation for the Grizzlies to find success. So they shoot threes best in basically 10 seconds or under on the shot clock. As a matter of fact, the Grizzlies, they are shooting 60%. It's only been five threes, but the Grizzlies have found some success either getting a shot off within the first seven seconds of the shot clock, or if they run a set, if they want run play, basically a dribble drive in which they pass out, or if they run a pick and roll in which they pass to a three-point shooter, maybe 10, 11, 12 seconds to come off the shot clock, that's another area of the shot clock where they've been able to shoot three successfully when they've made them. So it's finding ways to be able to get a three off or get threes off when the Jazz's defense is not set. That's either pushing the ball up the court and finding an open three with a couple of quick passes early in the shot clock, or if you're in a if the Jazz are in a half court setting, be a be decisive on offense. Run a simple run a simple play, and then prioritize the opportunity to move the ball around to find a three point shooter. Prioritizing getting their shooters open looks early in the game during the first quarter, and also putting an emphasis on creating open looks in transition on threes are two areas where this Grizzlies team are going to find success now. That's much easier said than done. And when John Morant is out in the open court, do you really want to prioritize a three over him getting to the basket? Probably not. But in areas, but in in a game where there's likely going to be less overall possessions now that Donovan Mitchell is back because the Jazz are probably going to have more success slowing the pace down a bit and making this a half-court game. The Grizzlies have shown the ability multiple times this year to where if they can prioritize getting threes off in situations where defenses cannot be set, that is when they're at their best. Off-ball screens in half-court sets, transition threes, being able to use a flasher coming through the lane and either setting a screen for another player to get open for three, or perhaps a flasher coming into the lane Perhaps Jonas coming up and being an option to get an easy look in the paint, but then that flasher comes off the screen that he sets and goes to the corner, he can be a three-point option. The whole idea is that there needs to be more intent from all members of the Grizzlies that are on the court, if the ball is not in their hands, to get 
a good look from three. Much easier said than done, but if the Grizzlies can find success hitting threes in the first quarter, and they can also find some success emphasizing the three in transition, I think that's how they will really gain the consistency that they need. In order to hit the three-point shots, they're going to have to hit to at least win one of these two games at home. Though they only hit seven threes in game one, I would be willing to bet that they're not going to win another game this series unless they hit double-digit threes. And as a result of that, it's got to be a higher priority. Yes, you want the Grizzlies to go to their bread and butter. You want for them to be able to score in the paint. But to be able to beat this Jazz team with Donovan Mitchell back in the fold, the Grizzlies are going to have to put a high priority on finding good looks from three. That comes from schemes and schematics in the half court, but also using their ability to push the envelope and get in transition instead of, you know, going to the basket, trying to get free throws, whatever it may be, the Grizzlies need to balance it out with good looks from three before the Jazz defense can get set. This Grizzlies team does have the ability to create good three-point shots at times, frequently during the game, before the Jazz defense can get set. If they can get good at doing that, if they can do that effectively, that's how they can buy themselves enough time to hit three to five extra threes per game than they're hitting right now, and that can make all the difference in the world for this Grizzlies team to win. Obviously, so much to look forward to with the Grizzlies back in the grindhouse and the Jazz coming to Memphis. I do feel strongly the Grizzlies team is going to get another victory this weekend, either tonight or Monday night. think there's a very realistic chance they can get two victories. Don't know how likely that is, but I can tell you this. They're going to have a needed and clear advantage from the energy and excitement that'll be in that building both tonight and on Monday night. Hope you all enjoy. Hopefully the Grizzlies will be able to implement some of the things many of us have talked about that cover the Grizzlies and fans in general when it comes to how to improve the opportunity. Obviously prioritizing threes, good defense, hopefully turnovers in transition. The Grizzlies can play their style of basketball, especially through their starters at times, against this Jazz team. They've shown that they belong on the court with the Jazz. They especially belong on the court when it's on their own court in the grindhouse. Enjoy tonight. Enjoy the day. A lot of excitement is and should be going on around the city. Hopefully, we'll be able to end the day on a great note with the Grizzlies going up 2-1 against the Jazz. We will have everything covered for you on tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast as we recap Game 3. My name's Sean Coleman. Hope you enjoy the game. Go Grizzlies! And we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.